All right, everyone, welcome back. Solve for Why vlogcast number 20. We finally have arrived in our new Google set. And it is myself, Christian Soto, a.k.a. Mr. Hands. My man, Big Bet Alpha Reg Berkey. I'm really happy. I'm happy the way this set has turned out. It was, you know, a really large investment from our corporate friends. And me? It was a large investment for me. Yeah, I mean, Google sent you the check. No. I, I pulled money out of my pocket. I bought a bunch of shit. And then I spent the entire weekend putting it Damn, together. How much money is in your pockets? Not very much any longer. <laughs> All right. Well, we are we are here in a new set. I think this is this is a beautiful set. I'm really happy to, you know, be the second one to see it. Given that, uh, <laughs> given that you were on a different podcast uh, earlier in the week, but we'll uh, we'll get to that. And let's kind of like begin the talking points of more possum. That's really what this story has been. I do want to talk about the lawsuit. I want to talk about Joe Ingram's role in this entire thing. So let's begin with the, the, the lawsuit has been $30 million. Right. Um, is what is being seeked by my man. What? What? Seek is not a word? No. All right. Well, whatever. I'm fucking Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, being sought, sought. I got it, man. I'm a fucking seventh grade teacher. I'll at you. <laughs> um, is what is being sought, and what do you think about it? Thirty million dollars. Some people said that it's too much. I saw a little bit of uh, Nick Palmer talking out there talking about Nick a bit Palmer. Too- hey, man. I didn't see because he blocked me. Me too. I heard it from second hand. Sure, sure. Uh, shout out to my man Slay America out there. He defended the, the lawsuit. <laughs> he said, yo, fuck these casinos. Get them. Yo, he just doesn't want a precedent set because he knows that they're going to start coming for him for $30 million. Hey, you know what I'm talking about. Um, all right, so $30 million. It's a pretty big lawsuit. It is... Let's go through what, what they're trying to do. Right? Sure. Okay, so $10 million against Apostle uh, and his unnamed confederates for fraud based on allegations of cheating. Right. So that's $10 million against Apostle himself. Yep. 10 million against Stones Gambling Hall as an entity for constructive fraud as Stones has a legal duty to monitor the Stones live poker game for cheating and take re- reasonable steps to and measures to prevent the cheating therein. The complaint is also seeking punitive $10 million sum against Stones and JFK on counts of fraud based on JFK's alleged dismissal of the initial allegations and potential cover-up and another thousand bucks for veronica brill uh effectively stones saying that this was completely fabricated on the internet i <laughs> i agree that thousand dollars is important man you know what they also said that i was super surprised of this play and that they made it seem as if like i was so happy like oh shit oh shit like I, I, you might have been one of the commentators in on it man that's that's polk's theory yeah i'm in on it fuck i lost <laughs> if i was in on it i wish i would have won yeah of course but uh, uh okay. yeah man that thousand might be the straw that breaks the camel's back i mean you gotta I'm clear on, veronica's name i agree veronica should get that thousand bucks they tweeted using my name i should get more than thousand bucks too Fuck yeah shit. um yeah so effectively obviously this isn't uh this isn't just for the damages that was caused through the cheating that, of course that was like a sum of three hundred thousand. Uh, the punitive that they're seeking is effectively trying to set a precedent so that negligence like this doesn't take place in the future, so that cheating like this isn't incentivized by people who are desperate. Let's let's talk a little bit about the people involved in bringing this forward. Okay. So we got my man Mark Van from Jersey. Mac. Uh, he's bringing it forward, but he doesn't have a, a practice in 
Cali. So he's using a team. Uh, in that team is also going to be uh, Poker Out Loud Season 2 participant Kelly Minkin. And let's talk a little bit about the timeline. I don't expect this to be resolved anytime soon unless we see uh, a pretty quick settlement uh, from from Stones. Yeah, uh, I don't think this news story is really going anywhere, but um, it's dying down, right? Like this isn't the only thing talked about on Twitter anymore. I think we're returning to normal again, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Uh, we should expect some level of normalcy moving forward. Uh, I think that we're probably looking at like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure how fast this stuff works itself out, but just basing off of like what we know so far about the scandal, I think there's still a lot of details to uncover. I was shocked that you didn't say the wheels of justice move very slowly. You know, that seems like a thing like for you, like no. these these things. <laughs> Colloquialisms. Okay, so yeah, I agree. I think that it's gonna be pretty slow. I am interested in your take as it pertains to this. I think if a small settlement comes through, like mm-hmm. I feel as if the poker community as a whole would judge that pretty badly, like pretty yeah. bad. Effectively, like I don't it's think like they'll a accept mil- the small segment. That's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. I feel like there's a pressure on the lawyers to get either a large sum or take this to trial, simply because I think they want both. I think in order for mm. them to get a large sum, it needs to go to trial. I think they want to be placed in front of a jury. Uh, they feel like their case is bulletproof at a civil level. Um, where you only need effectively 51% Correct. to, to uh, get judgment in your favor. So, uh, you know, I don't know that they're going to get the 30 million. I don't know exactly how these processes work, but I do know that uh, we've done all we could do as the community. I think we've put our best foot forward. I think we have a lot of data and evidence out there for the lawyers to now come through. Mm. I imagine a criminal investigation will begin. We'll never know because like, obviously that doesn't turn public until... Uh, it, it reaches its final stage. Been, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I imagine that this is on the radar enough where it's being looked into from all angles. I imagine that this story will resurface three months from now, six months from now, certainly around World Series time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it may even be called upon the community to start digging in a little bit further. Yeah. I mean, I've added myself onto the lawsuit this week. I think that, you know, I think there's a little bit of reason to. I don't expect to get any any sort of like large sum or anything like that. But they did use my name to like promote themselves. I was in the booth. I did lose a little bit of money in the game. And, you know, I even think that everyone that was in the game, even if you didn't play against any hands against him, your EV in the game was so like hurt yeah, yeah. with his presence. Yeah, that sure. You probably should add yourself to the to the list simply yeah. because you one person knowing cards changes everything. So it's not necessarily how how much you lost directly to him but how much your ev in the game was hurt we also um, don't know how deep this goes yet there correct. easily could be other other cheaters in this game uh like what i was kind of saying is like you know possible in in this en- instance for 18 months represented or maybe a little less like 15 months he represented a, a an effective like empty seat not not empty but his seat effectively was worth a thousand dollars an hour yeah. Right. So it was effectively a thousand dollars an hour rake on the game. I would imagine the fact that this lasted for fifteen months means that there were still other winners in the game. Oh, of course, but not not necessarily. Uh, not necessarily of course, of course. Yeah, that's, that's a true. lot to overcome at these stakes. Yeah. 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 For but sure. if there were other winners in the game, and uh, we should probably look into. We that. should we should definitely be looking into them yeah. because it may take perfect information to overcome this. Yeah. Uh, and if if they are legit and they they are cleared and 
you know, that's all fine. The tape will tell us. That means that the losers in this game were taking a bath. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, destroyed. Like, we might have some guys, like, down six figures playing one three two five. How do you explain that to your family? How do you explain that away to yourself, right? Yeah. Like, these guys might be players that, like, maybe they're losing, but not 50 big blinds an hour, not 25 big blinds an hour, not well, whatever it works out to. Hopefully, at least what I'm hoping for these players that did lose, the window of loss is small enough that, maybe they didn't lose as much because sure. it's only four hour stream or maybe only five hour stream but for 15 days. months and it's three hundred thousand dollars no matter what it yeah, had to yeah, come, it has from, to come somebody. from somewhere yeah. yeah so the pool has to be like pretty deep for it not to come from like very specific on top of that they're still they were still raking so yeah. there's also rake yeah, on top yeah. like people are getting crushed so small though by comparison i know like, i know like now you're looking at like i don't know 50 60 dollars an hour right but i'm trying to say that's like you're you're also losing to the rake and losing to more yeah, because yeah. it's just like yeah, so you're adding much. like another three to five percent onto yeah. his win rate. Yeah, it's just it's just unreal. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see how this story moves forward. Uh, obviously the community has been a big help in terms of like placing pressure. Yeah. Uh, and talking about that, I think that you know you were on you're on fucking television, like. <laughs> you know, you were on television about this. Joe Ingram has put massive hours. It's almost becoming like a cult following of Joe Ingram at yeah. nighttime. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about the community's involvement in this. Like you were big uh, in like covering the technical side of this, you know, as like, you know, you're a big computer science guy. And uh, <laughs> that's not why it's just because <laughs> we have the software. And yeah. I'm familiar so with it. obviously we've been using a lot of the software for all our academies. Now it's been, you know, close to four years or so of us running academies. Yeah. And, you know, we've faced every technical issue in imaginable. At yeah. Some point. So I, I we mean, became really familiar. Effectively, with I could replicate pretty much all scenarios through which he could have possibly been cheating. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to be able to reverse engineer these types of things because, there, there's that anonymous account or, or pseudonym account, Rachel Lease. Mm. And whoever she is seems to have a pretty deep technical background, seems to be from like the Valley uh, and, and have a pretty good understanding of like what's going on in tech. And, uh, you know, a lot of like what she was proposing was there's many ways that this could have occurred, right? There's gaining information through the RFID technology. There is having an insider in production send you the stream. There is, uh, you know, working with other players in the game. There's communication. Uh, all of these things are potential ways in which you could cheat. But the correct approach is to go in order and dismiss the ones that are least probable. Mm. So like the RFID, like, like getting a deck in the game and then having uh, some sort of device that is amplified enough that can actually read the deck and read each individual's hand is such a low probability because that technology is just not there yet, right? Like with what's on the market, it's feasible, but it's really inaccurate. It doesn't function very well. Uh, it only has like three centimeters worth of, of readability. Mm. So like, that's why we're so particular about where players put their whole cards, mm. because if you're even off by an inch or two, now all of a sudden the reader just doesn't pick them up. Yeah. Imagine trying to get the nine seat when you're in the two, uh, and trying to know what the, what that hand is and things like that. So, you know, we could start to dismiss some illogical options and start to put our focus on much more probable ones. And the most probable ones are that he had an inside an insider in production and the, the stream is being leaked to him in some capacity. 
So you were on TV. Congratulations. I uh, was on the local news. Hey, I mean, you got to, you know, one thing leads to another. You know, next <laughs> thing you know, you're on ESPN. You're on 60 Minutes. You know, shout out to Gaucho. He was on 60 Minutes. You're sure. almost there. I already got the emails. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the way this has put forth, uh, has been put forth by the community. So Joe Ingram's doing pretty much nightly like mm-hmm. marathon streams, like in, in, investigating this entire thing. You're putting out pretty much like a lot of content as it pertains to the technical side of this entire thing. Doug Polk has put out multiple podcasts, multiple like videos about, you know, this entire subject, but we haven't necessarily seen things from what I would call the old guard or the faces where you mean that's how interviewed him bro all right let's not even count that was kind of just opportunistic but like whatever man shout out to madison you did a great job i'm (laughs) sure that uh if you really want to listen to how i really feel you could tune into one of the other things where i said that you shouldn't fucking be recording things in important interviews (laughs) with when you're goddamn high at least be sober respect us as a community but i'll digress anyway But we haven't seen things from the old guard. Pretty much, like I think that they've been a little bit silent on the whole entire subject, comparative to what you, Ingram, and Polk have put out. It's just not as much from them. And I'm starting to think that maybe the the torch has been passed in not an obvious way. I think because of modern technology, how how we're communicating nowadays, it's a situation where potentially they're not on Twitter as much. Although, like. It, Kid Poker's on Twitter a lot. Yeah. Um, But, you know, maybe the other faces are not necessarily into, like, recording a video and putting it on YouTube and all this kind of stuff. Does that mean now that we've just moved into another era? Uh, I'm kind of worried that, that that's not the case and that it means that we're, we're as a community, becoming faceless and mm. more irrelevant. Um, the reason I'm, I'm portraying it this way is... Well, first and foremost, like, let's let's talk about the investigation. Okay. The, the big reason why it's me, Ingram and Polk that are at the head of this is because we each have a lane. And in this instance, you know, Ingram is doing his damnedest to be the guy on the inside, the investigative reporter, the one who's bringing the new details over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I have a deep understanding of the technology and very few people in the community are going to be able to replicate that. Most people just don't own an RFID table, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, if it wasn't me, it would need to be Somerville, but he's just like, you know, he's, he's pretty removed whenever it comes to this type of stuff. He's not going to be the one who's out there shouting from the rooftops that this guy's a cheat. Uh, and then finally, Doug is just like an interpreter for, for the everyman. He has a big enough following where he can get this message out to pretty much all four corners of the community. So mm-hmm. that doesn't really leave any room or uh, place for any of the old guard to really step up and say much other than, Okay, yeah, he he probably cheated, right? So, like, what message would they actually be sending? They're not. Uh, this is the. Let, let me say something, man. God damn it! There's this thing. There's this like thing that bothers people as it pertains to the old guard, kind of being like, ah, oh, yeah, he cheated. Ah, oh, yeah, he stole. And like, well, that's because it was common for them. That's what I'm saying, though. But like, that's what gave poker a bad rap. Sure. So we moved into an era where cheating's not okay. Yeah. Robbing from backers or like all this stuff, like that's not okay. Right. And like to stay the community silent, is policed now. Yeah. Like to stay silent is not okay anymore. Well, right. I don't think they were silent. I think that like you know, Negreanu did a pod with Veronica and uh, Mattisau did interview uh, Apostle, and you know, I, it's not that they're silent. It's just they have nothing to add. I feel as if they're not going to get their hands dirty on the street level. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, right. 
But they but, don't need to. Like, you know, no offense, but a year from now, neither will Polk most likely unless it's still for views. He's not, he's not, he's already self-proclaimed retired, mm-hmm. right? So like how much longer can we expect him to be the quote unquote voice for the community? I mean, the truth is that as long as he has a company, it's probably going to be that, right? Sure. Well, sure. So, maybe. So it's, it's one of those things. It's like, but like, where do you draw the line? So like Gelfon, you know, jumped in a few threads here and there and spoke, you know, very, very loosely about it. Listen, man, don't take shots at Gelfon. I'm man. not. That's, that's, God, that's the Godfather. I'm that's not. the new Godfather. You can't take shots at Gelfon. Shout out to Run It Once, man. You know, they've always helped me become a little bit better. I had two coaches, man. It was you and Galfon. Just Galfon didn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not taking shots at all. I'm just saying that I think that when things like this come to be, there, there's a, such a thing as too many chefs in the kitchen. And, you know, first shout out to like the the forums out there, Reddit and 2 plus 2. Like those are the real sleuths. They're the ones, wh- you know, when I say the, the old guard's not going to get their hands dirty at the street level, Neither are we by comparison, right? Like, yeah, Ingram's putting in hours, man. He's showing things to the to the community. But that information's being relayed on a, on a big level from crowdsourcing. Yeah, because they expect him right. to take the reins. Right. It's not right. like why isn't Kid Poker being like with all these things? Why isn't like because other- that's just not the lane that he chose, right? He's I he's but but that's not his fault. That's not any of the old guards' yeah. fault. We're in a new era. That's what I'm trying to say. We're, right. So you know. I think if this were a different scandal, like for instance, when um, when the 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 stars supernova elite thing happened, I didn't say anything because mm. that's not my lane. I just don't have anything to add. You know, I can give my two cents as to why I think it's a net negative, but overall, like my opinion is not going to matter for shit. Um, and I think that you know you just let let it fall as it may. But the reason why I say that I fear that the community is becoming more faceless. And I was talking a little bit about this to Polk on the pod where if you look back 10, 15 years ago and you look at what was considered to be poker's elite, Negranu, Helmuth, Ivy, Patrick, Gus, whatever, that whole collective. How dare you? Juan? Yes, baby. He's so young. He was the boss, man. Stop disrespecting him. Fine, but like, you know, these guys were the bosses before him. He took over. That collection at the top they were friends. There was coordination mm. there, right, right? right? Like half of them backed each other or were like fully invested in uh, the professor, the banker, and the suicide king whenever they played sure. Andy Bill heads up, right? Mm-hmm. So like they all rose through the ranks together. Our generation or my generation and then the generations there to come after are heavily individualistic. And it's it, it shouldn't be this way where it becomes more and more cutthroat the higher you rise in the ranks. Mm. But we're more disconnected at the top than the bottom is whenever it comes to any sort of um, any sort of like teamwork, any sort of coordination. It takes a scandal like this where we can all agree that cheating's bad and that we all have some sort of value to add that will both promote our selfish motives as well as protect the community. And I think that sucks. I think it's why the training industry is shit. I think it's why uh, a lot of the high stakes games are going private and in a general sense, it's shit. It's ma- mainly because we've been bred to be EV robots where there's no comprehension of the old gambler's maxim, giving action to get action, right? Like we are just, we're that first wave of if you're not focused on your soul EV, then you're getting skinned alive. So let's talk about the Polk interview. Let's talk about how you think it went. Um, yeah, I, I think it went really well. Uh, 
I think that there was a ton of positive feedback. People were happy mm-hmm. to see us get on the same platform. There was a lot of, uh, so I didn't, I didn't watch too much, but I yeah. saw the, I read the comments. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, re- that's what's really important. Yeah. Right. So I read the comments. They were like, man, I didn't really like Berkey, but like, he's kind of okay. And like, Man, Berkey really didn't deserve all this uh, lashing from Polk all these years and, yeah. and stuff like that. So that seems that it was a positive for you to go on his platform and people kind of view you differently because they only view what he was putting out. And what he was putting out was like, oh, Berkey sucks, like, ah, the Berkey right. hands or whatever, yeah. Berkey files or whatever yeah. he called it, right? So continue. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, that was a discussion that I wish we would have got into. I'm actually shocked that like we we talked 90 minutes and never really addressed the obvious elephant in the room. You know what made me mad? What? That you invited him here. I didn't invite him here. You Dan, were like, oh Dan come, invited him here. Come to come to the to the software. You think Polk was gonna sit in my seat? If we were gonna do a live podcast, would you rather that I do it on his set or on ours? I'm gonna give him a new seat. He's not sitting in my seat with my Dominican flag behind him. There's no fucking way that's happening. I would have taken the flag down. All right, I'm just saying I would have put a soft white logo back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I'm just making sure, like you ain't taking my seat and the Dominican. You ain't repping DR. You ain't sitting in my seat. But go ahead. Um, yeah. So like, I, oh, I am kind of surprised that it didn't come up because uh, it was it was not only not coordination, but like you know his business tactics have always been pretty transparent from day mm-hmm. one. And I think he's just very good at executing that strategy. So uh, he had the loudest megaphone. He understood that. Mm-hmm. And we were a competitor, maybe not that much competition since we were uh, niche and a lot smaller by comparison. We weren't at that time even doing an online training site or whatever. But when you're able to captivate the largest audience and send your message the loudest, mm-hmm. it's just smart to dismiss people. Yep. And it's way easier to go after me than it is Galfon because Galfon's the godfather. Can't go to Galfon. Right, right. Galfon. He's untouchable. He's right? untouchable. So like, you just hope that like he fucks up somehow and you mm-hmm. can capitalize on it. Um, so yeah, like, you know, it was, I, I've never cared uh, all that much. That's why I never clapped back. That's why like when we did, we did it in a very self-deprecating kind of way. Um, and, you know, I think that like he, I think it was just business for him too. Like he was amicable from the start to the finish of the interview. We almost got into it and it just didn't, it, he like circled around the drain and then, and then scurried off. That's what happens. But like, you. he was kind of saying that he was unfair, uh, unfairly portrayed. He as, was unfairly portrayed as the GTO guy. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. Well, and what I started to say, I go, I go, what do you mean? Like you projected that you absolutely sold that message. It was good business to sell that. Message. Right. And what I wanted to continue to say, or like, uh, further that conversation with was that you drove all narratives and like I am now considered a certain way because you have the megaphone to do that and now that I've been on your pod and people have heard me speak and I've had a bigger platform a lot of that will probably uh, be diluted now you know I played a lot of crazy hands so it, it is what it is like nobody's going to take away my loose qualifications nobody's going to say that I'm not a lag but I think there's going to be a lot fewer people that are going to think that I just started playing poker three or four years ago. Mm. Don't know what the fuck I'm doing. and was just punting off at the biggest stakes in the world. Let's just be something clear because I did see some of the interview. Mm. And one of the things I did see uh, was the fact that he said he didn't use solvers. Right. And that was surprising to me because of what kind of what you're saying. He drove the narrative of like GTO is king. Right. Right. If that's the case and you are the biggest proponent of this style then it seems as if 
you've been working with solvers since the dream machine. Right. You've been working since the beginning, right? right? But what I think is that that doesn't mean he sucks. That doesn't mean that you don't think in a certain way, in a theoretical way. Mm-hmm. It just seems as if it was bad business for you to say that you didn't use solvers. Right. I guess let me start with the the fact that he said he didn't use solvers. Mm. I'm not surprised at all uh, for a couple of reasons. First, we've both been playing long enough where we know poker pre-solve. That doesn't mean that we that that doesn't mean that we didn't start studying until solvers came to be. So I particularly remember a conversation that he and I had at Five Diamond. I mean, it had to be like 2015 or 14, something like that, mm-hmm. um, where we were talking about like what our Google Drives were worth, mm. and that's because both of us had diligently like built out these strategies. Uh, you know, had back had data to back it and things along those lines. You know, it's a lot of like how I taught you. Mm-hmm. And that all does come from critically thinking. That does come from a lot of the principles that solvers introduced from a game theory standpoint. Pre-solvers, game theory still existed. Of course. Right? Like, I can remember playing Connect 4 in, like, 2009 and realizing that it was a solvable game. Mm -hmm. And then, like, researching what the actual solve was and kind of, like, reverse engineering it from there. It's not as if he didn't keep notes. So It's not, like... He had like entire spreadsheets of moves and things like this, similarly to how your Google Drive was entire list of of hands played, what you thought about, like all these things. So it's not as if you two aren't thinking. And ironically, it's very similar then right? in terms of like how you're approaching the game. Yeah, I think um, his was just a lot more data driven because he was playing online. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's where we're at now, right? Like we here just like profess a lot of macro principles. And the irony was when we were talking about it, I think we were kind of talking past one another mm. because I was speaking to that. I was saying like, look, I agree with you. I, I continually kept saying like, I agree with you fundamentally. It's very important to understand the macro principles of game theory. What drives this game, right? It's it's EV and pot odd investment strategies. That's it. It's that simple. Now we can build off that tree. If those are the two, If those are the two stumps and we want to build those trees out, then we start getting in a little bit deeper to um, the aggressive, the aggressive paths versus the passive paths, realization versus capitalization, range analysis, range versus range analysis versus hand versus range analysis, and and you know, kind of still digging into the macro, right? These are all still very, very, very big principles. Um, and his pushback to that was kind of just like, no, you can create a micro system that can be taught, and as people are implementing this micro system, they'll learn the macro principles just through sheer osmosis or kinesthetic learning this is kind of how i approach uh my 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 clients pretty much i don't like teaching moves without the background of why these things work in a big picture sense Mm -hmm. the reason why that is is because if i teach the moves if one thing is changed in real time the whole thing blows up right and you just punt right right so effectively, I don't like teaching moves. And then all of a sudden we change a card that looks similar, but is not exactly the same. Or we same. change position or we, we change, change stack depth. Correct. Everything yeah. changes. Right. So it's more important, at least in my mind, for the person to understand the concepts, mm-hmm. understand why things function a certain way. That way, as we change the variables, you can still change in your in, in your thinking. Right. right? You, you develop a more much more dynamic way of thinking. Rather than a, a very strict guide guideline, right? And from okay. what I from what I gathered in the interview, it was like, okay, how I coached my stable at mm-hmm. the time, right, are just going to be people that are just implementing these these moves from the spreadsheet, right? 
it's it's very similar to like how people are implementing PO now. They are getting a, enough brush strokes where they're able to extrapolate on small scale, right? So they can they can identify they can go over the aggregate boards and then identify how that extrapolates to out to all boards. They can go over uh, their entire range from from a position and understand like the application model uh, at least on the flop. Things might start to get a little hazy on turns and rivers, but you know they'll they'll just keep studying those spots until they feel more comfortable. The problem is, and what I challenged them on, is I said, you know, the the system that you taught in 2013, do you think it wins now? Right. And he said no, and I go right because the game is continually evolving. It's so endless in its potential, right? That that we're going to continually refine, and new waves of strategy and counter strategies are going to constantly present themselves. So it's much more critical to learn from a macro standpoint where we understand what principles we should be examining first. Like when we're talking about the way ranges are comprised, right? We have to understand the basic principles under construction and that's going to be stacked up. It's going to be position and it's going to be uh, the attributes of the actual hand that you're dealt, right? Uh, we need certain attributes throughout the, the top to the bottom of our range. We need showdown value, we need connectedness, and we need suitedness, right? And it's going to be some mix of all of those things, but we can't just restrict ourselves to one. So we can't just say all hands in this range have to have showdown value because now we're too tight. And we can't just say all hands in this range have to at least have one or yeah, at least have one of these characteristics. Because now if we start adding offsuit connectedness, we're way too wide, right? From you, I got a lot of exploitative like moves that not moves a lot of exploitative thought process which i think is extremely valuable especially today mm -hmm. like you make a lot one of the things i realized is like i don't think people know how to play against weak players yeah like they just like leave piles of money in the weak reg versus weak environment but i started you know when i started listening to sauce and you know one of these like authorities on theory right he always spoke about the gto approximation mm -hmm. and I think that's where we're, we're kind of talking about. Like for you to understand approximately what this spot looks like in theory, you have to understand why the theory thinks this way. Right. right? And that'll give you an, a scope to work on. And you're never going to get it perfectly right because you can't split the way that Peel splits. But if you can have a, an estimate of why certain things are approached in a certain manner, then you could take that, multiply that with your how far you want to move away from your approximation based on real real environment then you have an answer to your to your things but i think if you're just implementing moves and i don't want to beat a dead horse if you're implementing just google sheet says this or po says this you're going to get in a lot of tricky spots because there's too many variables especially in live poker where we're well, just eventually the environment's going to adapt correct cuz like no matter what at the end of the day you're still operating in exploits yeah no matter what and how theoretically sound a system is that's built, mm -hmm. it's still heavily exploitative. So there's still a counter strategy to employ against it. And that's that's effectively the way that we study once we start to get to a higher level is we examine our strategy as a whole and then we try to beat ourselves, mm -hmm. right? So like on a very small scale, the best approach is to be Colotico, right? Just play yourself over and over and over and over again while you're refining each and every spot. Now, the problem is we're human and that's very difficult to do at any sort of scale. So really you're, you're playing yourself or you're figuring out how to beat yourself in the current environment and uh, what makes most sense, right? So whenever you say like, oh, okay, like my biggest hole here is that versus this bet sizing on river, I call too much. Then you have to kind of ask yourself like, well, how often is the field 
choosing this size. And when you realize that like, oh, the field just doesn't bet 2x pot very often on the river. You're just like, okay, I'm safe. Look at yourself in the mirror. Go on the Doug Pog podcast. You'll, you'll find out great. I mean, things. honestly, like I really hope that it is kind of like the the first crack of a spider web in a windshield that, that oh. this. <laughs> what? Go All ahead. Right. Well, let, let me go ahead and start that one over. No, it's, no, no. Continue. The no, spider no. web in a no, windshield. No, no, no. It's too complex. I hope that I hope that this is kind of I get of it. Like, I get it. It's like if you throw a rock at yeah. the windshield, it starts small and then it spreads. Right? Yeah. Yes. We're almost there. Okay. We're almost there. All right. I I hope this is the kind of ripple effect where uh, people start to look in a little bit further and understand that Doug was claiming that he was unfairly the GTO guy and I'm claiming that I'm unfairly the the exploitative guy. When the reality is that at the end of the day, if you've made it to high stakes, you think in a particular way. You think about the game in a holistic way where the theoretical principles are what drive you. You are able to analyze range versus range. And the fact of the matter is a very small percentage of people who play poker can actually think in terms of my range versus my opponent's range, period. Right. And then even End move, of story. And then even be talented enough to move into an exploitative realm after that. Right. Right. That's, right. That's and, and the thing is, it might not even be that much talent. It might just be your ability to observe, right? The, the way that you ultimately arrive at your decisions whenever you are capable of thinking that way is, well, what am I incentivized to do with this particular hand plucked out of my exact range the crazy part is i for one probably have consumed so much content in terms of like watching all the videos going on their going on like competitive sites and like watching their stuff mm -hmm. watching streams like all these things and many times especially with doug i was just like this is not PO approved like this oh, yeah. is an exploitative move yeah and i'm just like yelling in the room like, the problem is the label like i hate the term exploitative right i hate it so fucking much because it's like are you human right are you playing poker you're exploitative then right period like this notion that somehow we're on this search for the holy grail mm. where one day sauce is just gonna rise from a phoenix <laughs> and just say i've done it <laughs> I've played every decision in the tree perfectly, right? right? It's just, it's never, ever going to be attained in any of our lifetimes. Yeah, I agree. Let's get into Poker Out Loud. We've just filmed the last, uh, the most recent season, not mm -hmm. the last season of Poker no, no, but right. the more recent season. That's going to be season four. So season 4A will be the MTT version, right. which will feature... A bubble play scenario in two different tournaments. Right. Right. One of them is going to have a smaller pay jump. One is going to have a bigger pay jump as it pertains to the first cash after the bubble. And we play it. And it was really interesting as mm -hmm. it pertains to how many actual decision points there are if you're a short stack, if you're a middle stack, if you're a big stack. Right. And people play tight if you're good you play tight right that's kind of <laughs> i mean here's the thing it's like it's one of those things where if you're truly interested in learning uh, i guess you'll be enthralled right by the decision making process that's just very obvious to the naked eye it's mm. a lot of fucking folding yeah it's a lot of folding but it I is going it was... to be half a season of folding but the reasons behind the folds and the particular spots that are taken are where i think all the value really comes from yeah i think it's one of those things where if you are Someone like me, who's just like really like combing through, like just watching every 
micro decision of what a pro's thinking in that exact spot mm -hmm. and trying to add it onto your game and we're like seeing like okay he made a mistake but why or he made a really good play why did that work um now i think that's that's where the real value comes in if you're trying to see people like bang it out like you're not going to see that right? yeah that's that's 4b right exactly so then we're moving into the next one, which is what you're used to seeing, right? Which is going to be cash on, you know, high level cash action, you know, people banging it out like with some really interesting spots. Like I think me and Nick Howard play like one of the more interesting hands that will that I've ever played in my life. Um, I think that it was just really it was really entertaining. I thought it was like really tough. Uh, Poor action. Nick. Yeah, this guy's bluffed by everybody. I want to bury him. Yeah. <laughs> my dominican flag baby rep, rep that flag he got out of line twice he got punished both times yeah la patria. that's a good sign la patria comes in mm -hmm. i'll rip your fucking head off <laughs> um all right and then finally we did uh pros versus students so yep. there was mtt there was pro on pro and then there was pro versus students so it was pretty much me you and did hunt play that one no four students okay so it was me and you versus the the team of students yep and on top of that we did a draft mm -hmm. where I got to pick my students and you got to pick your students in like a round robin kind of a way. Yep. And they didn't know who they were drafted by. Right. And it was it was pretty funny because throughout the season, I'm like giving pound to someone. And then like they think they're on my team, but they weren't even on my team the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know there was a draft. Oh, good. Nice. nice. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that'll be an interesting product to, to kind of showcase. We wanted to get Poker Out Loud uh out to everybody whether they're a subscriber or not i thought this student version was a, a pretty good way to go about it so uh look for that around the first of the year um we're going to be putting that season out on youtube i think we're going to do a shortened version of on second thought which is our podcast where we uh comb through the episodes of poker out loud and pick out the more interesting spots and talk through them so i think what we'll do is just one hand per episode mm -hmm. um and we'll give everybody a kind of a glimpse of what that product looks like too but if you want us to do two hands, if you want us to do two hands, what can no. they do? What can they do? They, we set up a Patreon or something. They donate to us. <laughs> we can get like some new hands out there. Maybe like a secret version. Just, you know? I mean, we, we, yeah, sign up to the site. We'll do as many hands as you fucking want. All right. Not as many hands as you want, you know, but I'm not going to be here all, all week. Just like, so in this hand, we're going to open Queen Jack off suit. But let's talk about that. hand. Yeah. Um, all right. So I do want to talk about a season three highlight hand. Okay. And it's. If you're a poker nerd, if you're someone that like really likes digging into why certain things work, mm -hmm. then I think this hand particularly is going to be a fun one. Yeah, it's not glamorous to look at. It, 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 you know, you could skim right past it and just say like, oh, okay. I mean, that, that was a big pot with not much of a hand by either person. But if you dig into the nuances of why each of us were taking the lines that we took, I think it's a pretty fascinating one. All right, so let's play this hand. Okay. All right, so you're getting out of line. That's really what's no. happening here. No, no, no. Oh, it's like it's like uh, PU approved that one. No, yeah, this is this is approved. This okay. is fine. This is this is the shit I don't like about today's game, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, you got it online. No, PU approved it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, like, right. Well, first of all, I don't need PU to approve it. Hell yeah, you um, speak for yourself, bro. And, and secondly, like, uh, I I just intuitively think that this is the correct play versus the sizing that Chewy selects. Okay, so he chooses two twenty five into three ten. So 
a little bit, I would say, on the polarizing sizing. He's mm-hmm. not going to be betting too many hands for this sizing. You know, for that. I think the problem is, is that he shouldn't be betting really much Ace X at this size. Correct. I think it's fine if he does, like if he chooses to bet a hand like Ace Jack or if he has Ace Queen. Mm. It's kind of okay. Yes. But the problem is, is that he should just expect a lot of folds. Definitely not Ace Jack, but I, I agree. right maybe Ace Queen. Right. So he should. Here, here's what's going on. He's leveraging his ten advantage here. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a large size, which allows him to effectively race to a pole. Mm-hmm. The issue is that because I'm three betting from the small blind, I should be much more linear in nature. So Correct. sure, he'll have some 10 advantage because he'll have some offsuit varieties where mm-hmm. I just won't, but it's not going to be quite as advantageous as it looks. Secondly, uh, though he does have a bluffing candidate in this particular hand, he's probably going to have far fewer actual bluffing candidates than the size would also dictate. So he doesn't have a lot of tens. He may have 10 advantage, but like when it all boils down, we might be talking about like 12, 13 combos. Yeah. Something in that nature. Well, the reason I think he has some more 10 advantage is because you're not necessarily always going to be three betting your offsuit variety where he's often going to be defending some of his offsuit variety. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's, that's kind what, of what I just said. I know, but he'll I'm trying have to some, explain right, for the people listening. Right, yeah. He'll have some offsuit, but yo, know, who knows how much. Right. Um. So let's, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and let's say that he has like half the jack tens, half the queen tens, and then only king ten suited, right? But he also have the ace ten, probably in full. Right, but ace ten shouldn't choose this size. I agree. Uh, so let's discount ace ten to zero because if he chooses this size with ace ten, I'm probably just folding or punting off with my hand. Mm. Um, so I have the king of clubs, but the ten of clubs is out, so that doesn't block anything. So he has two king tens. He has one combo of quads, which again, I don't think should choose this size, but whatever we'll give it to him he will have six combos of queen 10 six combos of jack 10 okay so we're looking at 14 to 15 combinations total yeah now let's look at what his reasonable bluffs are king okay. king queen queen jack maybe maybe also a hand like jack nine suited sure yeah. uh fair so let's say he has three combos of jack nine suited maybe he's only incentivized to bluff with well he has four combos of jack nine no suited. i have oh but you have, I have the nine of right, right. um so let's yeah whatever let's add them all so three combinations of jack nine suited I guess we can give him full combos of King Queen. So yeah, twelve combos King of King Queen. Not good, it's, it's not great, right? Right. It's not great, but it does block my best aces, which is Fair. somewhat important. Yeah, I mean, let's say he bluffs half the time with King Queen, Queen, Queen Jack, and uh, uh, King Jack, right? Okay. So that's eighteen combos. Okay, so, let's just give, yeah, it, yeah. give it a round. Let's say let's say it's roughly twenty combos, right? Okay. So he has like fifteen combos of value, twenty combos of bluffs. That that's a fair ratio to bet a large size. But what I'm confident in is that he'll bet the value for this size. What I'm not confident in is that he's always choosing the size as a bluff. Okay. What I felt in in game though was the exact opposite. Mm. So I'm saying this now retroactively looking at it that uh, I think he could choose this size with value but may may hesitate a little bit with bluffs. But maybe that's kind of like a false narrative because the reality is that because he's not really choosing this size with ace X, it kind of just naturally forces him a little bit more towards the bluff side because right. the purpose of this sizing is to to get folds. Right. Right? And I still have nut advantage because I have aces in full. Effectively, I think this happens a lot, especially in live games where like the turn overbet is used or mm-hmm. like river overbet is used, things yep. like that. It's like are you really doing this with all your value hands? Kind right, of thing. right, like, right. It, it's like... Like, I if think... I had a calling hand, if I had a hand like ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack, something along those lines, I think I would have called very likely to expect an overbet on the turn, and I've just gotten sticky and never folded. 
naturally as like a human, right? You have to have a lot of discipline. Not saying Chewie's an elite player. I'm just yeah. talking in general. Having the discipline to use these sizes to balance your range rather than like taking a little bit off. When, and just targeting. Right. Exactly. Yeah, just target my range, right? It's like, yeah, in theory, if you go big, bigger, biggest, uh, my ace X is in hell. And if I just always call, you are going to absolutely destroy me. But if you think that you're going to land in the spot with a 10 a lot, and I'm going to have an ace a lot, and take a check flop line, and just like check call three, that's a pretty big parlay of events, right? It's it's just much more practical to recognize that I have a pretty robust check calling range. Um, and that very quickly changes when the price is poor. Okay. Like I checked King nine suited to call, mm. but then he bet two thirds pot. And I was like, well, now I'm in a polar situation where I can only raise or fold. Mm. And so I just chose the former. Yeah. I mean, that's usually where your rate, your raises are going to come from. It's mostly mm-hmm. going to come from hands that are, or, you know, slightly outside of the, right. The ability to, to continue as a call. Yeah. So I thought that season went really well. I'm really looking forward to what people will think about this next season as we start changing things up a little bit. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited for the evolution of Poker All Out. I feel like it's, it's... I'm excited to get more eyes on it because I do really think it's a really fantastic learning tool. I, I mean, I, I don't know many other places where you're going to get in-game yeah. play-by-play thought analysis from Chewy, from Nick Howard, from myself, from Jesse Sylvia, from you, from Hunt, from the cast of characters that we've had play throughout. So it's like that... It's a really humbling thing because... We're making errors. Oh, we're, for sure. we're human, right? For sure. But it's we're we're called upon justifying those errors in the exact moment. You know what's interesting though? Even when you make an error, like poker all out has been, at least for me, one of the things that have grown my game, you know, and I've I've tossed around the idea of even letting like people come in, obviously for a price, you know how I work, but <laughs> come in for a price and just be like, hey, like we'll provide this service for you where like you speak your thoughts out loud on film in game against tough players of your peer group and you guys see why you've missed a step why Mm -hmm. you started things and then i'll commentate on on this exact thing through you know for your service you know uh so i've tossed that around just because for me it's been one of like the biggest things even when i make a good play it's like well what was i exactly thinking in that spot when i make a bad play even better it's like why did I make that play? What was my thought process in that exact spot? Mm-hmm. And then when I see other people that I respect make a mistake, it's like, okay, what caused that mistake? And can I put that onto someone when I go play at the win? Right. And this goes yeah. back to the conversation we just had where it's like, uh, if we get rid of the terminology of game theory optimal and exploitative and just recognize that we're operating on some spectrum where those are just the two endpoints, um, then what we what we realize is that having the principles that guide your decision points, which is what you'll hear in the thought process in Poker Out Loud, right? You'll understand that we're driven by the pot odds model. You'll understand that we're driven by the properties of our hand, the properties of our range construction, all of these things. That's ultimately what's gonna lead us to a decision. If you recognize that, and then also recognize that we're making that decision biased upon the information that we're receiving in real time, then you'll understand why we're all exploitative, Mm. right? Because that information matters and it's the only information afforded to us. The the bet size, the position, the player that it came from, the tendencies we've recognized, all of those things are going into this process and they're funneling through these filters of what are the properties of the hand? What 
are the positions that we're in? What's the stack depth? What's he incentivized to do? What am I incentivized to do, right? We're answering all these questions in a matter of seconds in real time. And that is 100% why a Mike Possel win rate can't exist. Mm. It's 100% why we're all on the exploitative spectrum. It's 100% why the lie of pursuing game theory optimal is just a bullshit holy grail that isn't going to be attainable. And that's not to dilute the practice of studying theory or the people that are searching for the holy grail right yeah it's just to be real right it's just to to make everybody understand that this game is alive and well and like i said we're just going to continually go through go around in circles certain things are going to become en vogue they're going to fall out of uh out of popularity the 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 strategy that is working today won't work tomorrow the counter strategy that that works efficiently now won't work five years from now etc cetera, etc cetera. and we have to just like be happy with that Let's talk about stream games. So we're always in search for high value spots, especially, you know, you and I mm-hmm. that are like, you know, playing like, obviously you're playing high stakes, but I'm playing like mid to high stakes. And what I'm finding is like some of these stream games are uh, pretty high valuable. They're I nice. Feel, I feel as if. Are they valuable enough to get cheated on? No. Are you sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> no I am sure. Um, but I'm looking around. I'm looking around for these uh, these games that are streamed. I'm looking and I'm seeing like, okay, the run it upstream was pretty high value, right? Looking at some of these live the bike lineups, pretty high value for the for these games. Yep. Like um, maybe some of the Friday night pokers that were going on, some of the poker after darks that I've seen. So do you think maybe this is the next high value seeking spot where like if you could be invited to these streams, maybe you're in high value spot? I think it's very critical for everybody to comprehend that incentives in business have to align both with uh, the the business operator itself and its clientele. Yes. And this gets a little tricky because effectively uh, the players in this instance are kind of like subcontract workers, right? So the actual clientele for the stream houses are the viewers. Correct. But they need the talent. So they have to subcontract that out. And the, the issue is that the incentives don't align between the two. Mm-hmm. So now there needs to be a value proposition from the stream house to the player because the player is bringing value by being a part of it. Correct. This is why the, you know, GSNs, you know, all these people were paying the players. Right. That was the, that was the initial incentive to play. You were getting a thousand dollars an hour to show up. But again, play. that goes back to the business end of it. So uh, you have to look where incentives are, right? They were getting massive amounts of ad dollars from mm-hmm. online sites. Mm-hmm. So they were heavily incentivized to ensure that they put out the best product possible in order to make their advertisers happy and everybody gets to make a lot of money. Correct. So now that that is not there, at least currently, Mm -hmm. the incentive for the player to show up is one, potentially not pay rake. So if stream houses are forcing players to pay rake, I think that's completely unacceptable. I've said that earlier and I'm going to reiterate that you cannot have your players paying rake. Yeah. And I think tip is different, right? Like completely different, right? Completely utterly different like we're going to take care of the dealer because we understand although like there's been some controversy there where like maybe they should take care of their own dealers they probably should but like fine i i'm okay with the the dealer part of it right but well the, the, the only reason i would say they probably should is because the whole backing behind uh the players taking care of the tips is ensuring good service yeah we don't but in a stream game you don't have the option to not tip like you don't have the option to be like that dealer was actually shit. Correct. You should do a better job. I'm yeah. not. I'm not tipping. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you have the option, but like but you're not going to do it on camera, that right? There's, there's a high pressure to tip. So it probably should be something that the, the, the stream house takes care of. Yeah, I agree. But now we're asking for a lot, right? Because I'm asking for more stringent protocols. I'm asking for, um, either software upgrades or at least a, uh, a set of metrics in place that ensure the security of the current softwares that are being used. I'm asking for, uh, locked doors, bigger staff, privileged information absolutely needs to be protected to the highest degree. Uh, and that's probably not happening many places outside of the Nevada streams. Um, although I did see Bart Hansen tweet today that best bet Jacksonville is running a stream and he was really impressed with how thorough they were with their security. They had everything behind a locked door. Everything was hardwired, et cetera. I think that's great. I think that players have the right to ask those questions before playing on a stream to be reassured that everything is on the up and up. Um, but again, like the whole point I'm trying to arrive at is now if we're also telling them that they should pay the rake, they should provide hotels for the players, they should uh, tip the dealers, whatever the case may be, we're looking at a lot of overhead to run a stream. All right, well, I am going to be doing uh, some commentary mm-hmm. potentially next week. Not potentially, but actually next week for WSOP Europe, which is going to be a lot of fun. I think that... Big I'm, stage. A lot of high rollers. Hey, puppy, I'm excited. You know, <laughs> they brought in the Dominican to talk about the Europeans. Like, sure. that's that's what's up, man. We're international right now. Software international enterprises. You're, we got me, Dominicano, Americano. Um <laughs> I am ready to go every day, 5 a.m. Let's go. It's at 5 a.m.? If they want me to be. Okay. They said, it starts at 5 a.m., but like, we're not really, you, we're not expecting you to come in at 5. I was like, I'll be there at 5 a.m., man. I'll be there at 5 a.m. You don't know how, when you want something, you got to go. You can't, uh, you know what I'm saying? When you want to I see where the gym falls now because you ain't ever joined me at 5 a.m. for the gym. Hey, man, you know, I've said that I can hang in commentary with anyone on the planet. I've said I've studied commentary. I've just how I studied Durr back in the day. I'm just sitting there, just like what, listening to Nick Shulman, just listening. Like I'm just learning, you know. And then I think he's he's exceptional. He's elite, you know. So I'm listening. I'm trying to add those things onto my my repertoire. And I think I have a natural tack for just like commentary in general. And so with that being said, I want to launch a small segment of the show. Okay. Right. It's going to be an investigation segment. Right? Another one? No, this is different. This is like, I'm just going to pop something on you. Okay. And I want to see what you think, how people feel when certain things happen. Okay. Right? It's a loose, it's loose. It's not supposed to be like, oh, apostle, like whatever. You know? right, right. Like this is going to be chill. You know what I'm saying? So I want you to, I want you to look at what I sent you. Right. Okay. And we're going to put it up on the screen. I want you to just describe what caused this because this person to me, this person is hurt. (laughs) This person, this person is there. They need something out of life. And I think that you are the person that can guide them in in the right direction. I personally think this person was cheated on because if we read right over her lip, Right. right? Sure. It says, she said, fucking death in the ass holy fuck (laughs) bro 
This is this is holy shit. Go ahead. Although you were, it could be married. It yes. could say although you were married. Yes, it's M A R. I definitely see that. You, yeah. Married for sure. I'm telling you, my read was spot on. And then I think it says thug life. <laughs> or maybe it says your wife. Oh, that's what it says. That's she what said, it says. Married your wife. She said I was can't read Mystery. happiness just less can't read. I, I mean, you know, this, this is, is what it is. This is illegible, man. No, it's legible. It it's told us what happened. This person, I said it. She's on one. No, she's hurt, man. This is this person is hurt. This person needs guidance. This person just got cheated on. It seems How much of this do you think is going to make it into the podcast? I hope all of it. This is very important stuff. I would wager zero. No, this needs to go on. <laughs> I will I will protest if this person does not make it into the podcast because this is a really important segment. This whole entire thing has been floating around the internet and we are a modern day show that needs to be accountable. I play poker, man. Yeah, but this isn't a poker show. It's a show that involves poker and other things, life mm. things. You always like to talk about, oh, the cryotherapy, uh, meditation, sauna, whatever. And now I bring you real life problems. No, those are real life problems. Okay. Those are real life solvable problems. I can get you yoked. How much kombucha have you drank? Zero. I had, to, I had this whole bottle of dog. Good for time. you. Good for you, man. I hope your stomach feels better. It does feel a lot better, actually. Um, all right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed our new setup, our, the new vlogcast all these gifts if you want to send us gifts be in contact with matt berkey's twitter account be in contact with my twitter account i'll give you an address i'll give you a patreon link whatever it is you want and i will give you my venmo 